if you're working toward achieving a financial goal and you're looking to attract the best talent and retain the talent you have, this is a solution that addresses both and it will pay for itself within months of implementing whatever solution you choose. Hello and welcome back to Learning Rewired, where leaders are challenged to rethink what, how and why they and their organizations learn. Learning Rewired is proudly presented by Headspring, executive development specialists, as part of Headspring's commitment to fostering cultures of continuous learning. I'm your host, Bevan Rees. Psychological safety in teams, which is directly linked to innovation and positive outcomes, depends largely on the team leader's mindset and way of being. Of course, in addition to carrying this responsibility, leaders also bear the weight of many additional pressures. Under these conditions, self-mastery is key to avoid burnout, reactivity, and eventually a toxic team culture. But where does a leader even begin in achieving the balance required for self-management and reliable team results? Today in studio, I'm joined by Claire Dale, and on the line from Scottsdale, Arizona, we have Patricia Payton. Claire, Patricia, welcome. Thank you, Bevan. Thank you, Bevan. Claire and Patricia are authors of Physical Intelligence, a book of scientifically supported tools and approaches that harness the body's untapped intelligence to unlock greater well-being and performance while also lowering stress. So perhaps I should start there, Claire. Physical intelligence. We don't often see those two terms put together in the, in the same line. Mm-hmm. Talk me through a little bit of what is physical intelligence and how is it different from our general and established idea of what intelligence actually is? Well, our established idea about what intelligence is really comes from the head down. And physical intelligence acknowledges the fact that there are neural networks throughout the body and that the body and the emotions are interacting with the brain and the mind to form a mind all the time. And in fact, that we are fully embodied minds, leaders are embodied, and that's why it's so important that how they show up is part of their own self-mastery, as you've said. Mm-hmm. So physical intelligence is the ability to detect and actively manage a bunch of chemicals that influence how we think, how we feel, how we speak, Mm -hmm. how we behave, Mm -hmm. so that we can achieve our best performance at that moment and influence others, master our own emotions and all of those things, you know, smartly um, Mm -hmm. and, and therefore create that kind of culture of high performance that Mm -hmm. I think many businesses now are needing, Mm -hmm. desperately needing, Mm -hmm. partly because of the pace of change. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, performance culture in general um, and also the relationship between culture and leadership is obviously a fertile area of study and development. Am I hearing you say that a lot of this can begin with the individual and the individual has a lot of potential for managing themselves despite the intensity of the environment? Absolutely. So inside us, chemicals such as testosterone, serotonin, oxytocin, these chemicals that dictate our our confidence levels and our risk tolerance, our sense of ease and well-being, and therefore the ease at which we can properly connect, help others perform at their best and, and create a culture of high performance. That's paramount Mm -hmm. to leadership and a culture of 
you know, incredibly high performance. So that's what we help teams and organisations do when we take a physical intelligence programme into the workplace. Pat, do you want to pick up on some of that? Sure. Well, I think it's interesting for people to understand that there are actually 400 chemicals racing through each of our bodies. And those chemicals are hormones and neurotransmitters, and they're running through our bloodstream and our nervous system all the time. And while Claire mentioned a few that we can and should actively influence, there are others that are doing their job just fine and we wouldn't want to touch. So physical intelligence, as Claire said, is the ability to detect and actively manage those because they dictate how we think, how we feel, how we speak, and how we behave. And most of us operate largely at the mercy of those chemicals Mm. without realizing that we can actively manage the levels of those chemicals so that we can achieve more, stress less, live more happily, et cetera, et cetera, to achieve this culture where everyone is taking care of themselves and their own well-being, and what most organizations don't realize, also impacting business results. Mm. So the more physically intelligent you are, the more cognitively intelligent you will be, and the stronger your emotional intelligence also. So we say that physical intelligence doesn't just sit alongside IQ and EQ, it underpins them. Mm. And there's a lot of neuroscience to back that up, as well as very strong anecdotal evidence from our own experience and business results, having worked with organizations around the world in this area. That's fascinating. So my sense is that it's, you know, in the the way that we are used to talking about intelligence, which is largely cognitive intelligence, I think it's fair to say, we're almost talking here about a pre-intelligence. If one's managing hormonal and chemical responses in the body in an active and intelligent way, you're essentially working with the causes of our mind states and our emotion states. Yes. And I mean, one important thing is to have a framework to be able Mm. to do that, you know. And the framework that we've devised and works fantastically with businesses is to think about four elements, Mm -hmm. strength, so confidence, mm-hmm. being competitive, but in a way that is, is right for all the stakeholders. Flexibility, so being able to be creative, collaborative, build excellent relationships, being able to see multiple agendas, and being highly innovative. Resilience, of course, really important with the pace of change as it is at the moment, to be able to keep cortisol levels, the stress chemical, long term at an optimal level so that all of the other chemicals that create high performance can reboot. Mm -hmm. We can bounce back from disappointments. We can handle the pressure of change more easily because our whole system is bouncier and more Mm -hmm. resilient. Mm And then endurance is the fourth element. So under pressure when tomorrow, the next week, the next month seem like one constant stream of demanding and tough jobs, tasks, interventions, decisions, that we can focus on the future and be able to focus our chemistry on creating a reward system that enables us to believe in the future and accentuate purpose that draws us through what we call an endurance tunnel. Mm-hmm. You know, very often in change processes that are consistently layered, one's almost 
coming as soon as another's finished, mm-hmm. if you see what I mean, they're sort of overlapping and it's constant, then the endurance chemistry, the chemistry of purpose, keeps you able to move forward to milestones and outcomes and goals that you can visualise and decide to move towards. Mm-hmm. So those four elements are... You know, and we've got a bunch of techniques sitting under them. So in the book, there are 20 techniques Mm. under each of those. And in a curriculum, over 100 techniques Mm. overall. You know, I think what's important for your listeners to understand, and I don't know if they've really done the research to understand the the urgency here. Mm. Right. So McKinsey, according to McKinsey, we're in an environment where the pace of change is 10 times that of the Industrial Revolution, and 300 times the scale. So when Claire is talking about these overlapping change initiatives, this speaks to that to some degree, right? We know that change is never-ending. We know that we're living in a time of unprecedented change. But are people aware that it's actually 10 times the pace and 300 times the scale mm-hmm. of the Industrial Revolution? And human beings are not evolving as quickly as the rate of change. Mm -hmm. So many people are feeling overwhelmed, threatened, and stressed. Stress has become a syndrome, according to the World Health Organization. Officially this year Mm -hmm. was labeled a syndrome, and it's defined as the inability to effectively manage workplace stress. Mm -hmm. And there's no sign that it's going to slow down. Mm -hmm. So you talk about this pre-intelligence It is an intelligence we all have, but most of us don't know anything about. Mm. And we believe that in order for organizations, individuals and organizations to thrive, they need to realize and begin to provide this level of support. So historically, if you go back to John Cotter, who's the father of change management, their top two reasons change initiatives failed. Number one, lack of engaged leadership. Number two, under-communication by a factor of 10. What we are suggesting is that in this environment, with these successive waves of change at this never-seen-before pace and scale, there's a third reason that change initiatives fail, and that is lack of support for employees so that they can manage this level of change that none of us has ever been asked to manage before. It's Mm. beyond capacity. We're not evolving, as I said, as quickly as the pace of change. Mm -hmm. So that's an important concept just to put out there as a foundation for what we're going to be talking about, I know, Mm. of this conversation. Thank you. I mean, that's very helpful. And just to distill a few parts from that. So, I mean, you mentioned something that I think we all intuitively know, which is that, you know, we're, we're not living in Kansas anymore. The times that we live in now are just radically ambiguous and changing so quickly and so demanding. Um, I think this is something that everyone that's listening can relate to. But I mean, you use the word there, Pat, of managing this change. And I'm hearing in your approach to physical intelligence and also having read the book, that we're actually talking about here, we're talking about more than just management. I mean, we're talking about the potential of tapping into what I think the genuine meaning of the word intelligence is, which is essentially an ability, a faculty, a power that allows us to do better things, including constantly improving. So potentially we're talking about moving beyond management and actually getting ahead of this curve, this exponential curve of change. Correct. So that you can build the capacity to 
manage this change, to deal with the change that we now all know is coming. Mm. Right. It's not going to get we don't expect it to get any slower Mm. and it likely will get even faster. And we really have little control over it. Mm -hmm. But what we do have control over is what we do with ourselves. Mm. And Claire can talk about building capacity a little bit more about resilience. Claire, if you if that makes sense. Yes. um, Actually, where I was going was to have, you know, really zoom out to the bigger chemical picture and look at how we're talking about beyond management. What are we really trying to achieve here in the big picture that comes from, you know, creating truly resilient people in our in our workforce and leaders, mm-hmm. crucially. So we're really talking about, you know, helping people find a sort of super superior somatic intelligence mm-hmm. so that we have the idea that we're becoming better humans, but not just better in any old direction, in a specific way at the moment, Much of our evolution has been focused on what's called the dopaminergic system. So the dopaminergic mind is a mind that prioritizes progress over everything, technical advancement, territories, boundaries, pushing forward. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense that the opposing system, I think a a great truth in that the opposing system, the oxytocinergic system, Mm. the one that connects people together and gets them to collaborate well for the greater good, for all stakeholders in the environment, not only the the shareholders in an organisation, but the world at large, has been underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. And because that sort of the mindset that accrues many, many billions and hordes is a thing of the past, as I think we're getting to realise as we, we see that uh, many of our activities are not genuinely not sustainable across the board, then I think what we're needing to do and we will be forced to do is take a look at developing and rebalancing, not making competition or forward movement bad, or evil, but to balance the oxytocinergic system with that dopaminergic system Mm -hmm. and create value for everybody Mm. and be able to put back what we take and develop and generate true growth Mm -hmm. um, rather than sucking off the what's right there at the top, the, Mm -hmm. the rich pickings. So, I mean, that's a big evolutionary movement. And I think that as technology is moving so fast and we've been talking about the pace of change and the demands on the human individual to change, need to include that. Mm -hmm. They need to include that as a crucial part of our our evolution. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's our bigger, you know, the bigger arc of what we're doing here with this work on our physical intelligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, the good news is, because we have, it sounds, uh, it may sound to some of the listeners how are we ever going to do this? This sounds complicated. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, it's, it's a right? dramatic call to action. I mean, it's exciting, but it, yeah. sounds, yeah. it sounds like a large, like a big ask. Yeah, and yet at an individual level, mm-hmm. the physical intelligence techniques are very easy to incorporate into your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. They are ways of breathing, ways of moving, ways of thinking, and ways of interacting with each other that some of them only take seconds. Mm -hmm. And you develop your own protocol based on your strengths and your opportunities for development. And we all know ourselves best. And you look through the various techniques 
in the four elements, strength, flexibility, resilience, and endurance that Claire explained. Mm -hmm. And you cherry pick those that make the most sense for you and then habit stack them into your day. Mm -hmm. So just wanted to level set there that what we're talking about isn't an overwhelming ask. It's something that is very easy for people to do once they are introduced to the techniques and the concept of physical intelligence. Mm. So thanks, Pat. I just want to pause for a moment and just make sure that I, I have a clear picture of this. So we, on the one hand, we're talking about the individual and this incredibly high potential for self-management, self-actualization through using particular skills and techniques which allow us to tap into this innate intelligence that is available to us, but that most of us aren't using in a conscious way on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. that's that's the one one side of it. But what we're talking about here is the you know beyond the potential outcome of improved personal performance, personal well-being. There's this potential that the more people that are involved in this, the greater the potential is for the group to actually evolve in, I suppose, a mirror fashion towards higher states of well-being, higher states of performance, higher states of integration. Without a doubt. And it mm. also directly impacts business performance. Mm. So we know, uh, and this is not feedback we solicited, this is feedback that was proactively shared with us by our clients. Mm -hmm. So we worked with a, a pharmaceutical company, the sales team there, and after a few months of practicing physical intelligence techniques, they achieved a 12.5% increase in profit margin. Mm -hmm. So their own work on themselves collectively, and then as a team, they all knew that every, you know, if you got up and you did one of these techniques, some of them are movements, right? And you saw your colleague do that, you would understand why they were doing it. You all went through the program. So collectively, they supported each other in that. And then there is this very clear, measurable business result, a technology company, told us that they achieved double-digit growth that was in the midst of a downturn, and they credited physical intelligence. Mm -hmm. Another quick example, the CEO of a financial services company came to us and they said, this gentleman said, my direct reports, my C-level team, I'm concerned that they're a bit too affiliative and it's interfering with innovation. Mm -hmm. So we worked with them as a team. And of course, everyone always has to do personal work, but we also did work with them as a team. Mm -hmm. As a result, he observed that they now have increased operating efficiency, improved customer and employee satisfaction scores, and they're receiving better feedback from regulators mm -hmm. in the financial services industry, right? So the techniques work at an individual level, at a team level, and ultimately, if everybody gets on board, at an organizational level. And that's, you know, when you can get a leader to start to practice this, it's kind of like on an airplane when they say, put your own oxygen mask on before you help others. Mm -hmm. It would be great if we could get the leaders to put their physical intelligence oxygen masks on before they turn and introduce it to the rest of the organization. And then they've experienced it, they understand it, and they can be more supportive of it cascading through the organization. Mm. And everyone will be better personally and organizationally as a result. Would it be fair to say, based on what you're just saying, Pat, that beyond it would be nice if leaders put their own oxygen mask on first, as we're using the metaphor here, it's almost critical if we want this to be a sustainable path of development. Well, I, I believe having, that's the case, yes. Sorry, go ahead, yeah, Pat. Oh, no, yeah, I mean, have, you know, I've worked in 
learning and development my entire career, so several decades. And uh, I would say I was on a plane once, I'll make this quick, and the person next to me asked me, what's your ideal client? Never been asked before. And I thought about it and I said, all right, well, someone, an organization where I have access to leadership, where leadership is actively engaged, and where there's a commitment to sustainability. So you can sustain an initiative without the leader actively playing, right? So the team can still improve their physical intelligence and get a lift from it if the CEO isn't on board. So just to be clear, these organizations, these examples I just gave you, not all of them had the CEO involved, but certainly I agree with Claire, you're going to get better results if everyone is engaged and the CEO would at least I believe, need to endorse it. Because often the disconnect is we train someone in whether it's physical intelligence or something else, and they say, this is great. And they go back to their desks and they start doing it. And their manager and their manager's manager and so on up to the executive level, ask them to do things that are counter to what we've taught. Mm -hmm. And that creates frustration. And that's why people disengage from change initiatives, frankly, right? So I know there are many executives who try to lead change and people just aren't playing. Mm. Number one, because they are fatigued. Number two, because the leaders aren't walking the talk. Mm. So that takes us to think about what a physically intelligent organization looks like. Mm. And listeners who are sitting there at the board table thinking about HR and L&D and what is the right thing to do right now for people with so much demand on people's well-being and so much hard work to do. Mm -hmm. And many, many people I coach and train are, you know, working over the hours, not taking the holiday. I mean, it is incredibly demanding mm -hmm. out there mm -hmm. still, even though, of course, there are good well-being programs in place, but they're a little bit piecemeal and the budget dollars are not really there to really make a substantial change yet. So, we're looking for partners to have a broader influence on what is a physically intelligent organization. And I think that's the next step for us as a community that are involved in, mm -hmm. in learning and development. Mm -hmm. So what kind of induction do people have? Uh, what kind of coaches are available? Mm -hmm. And that those coaches are physically intelligent coaches and, mm -hmm. and trained in physical intelligence. Mm -hmm. Is there a structured program for people to work into the working culture and find out how they can do that in the best, most flexible, most dynamic way for themselves, for their bodies, their minds, their emotional set? And how are they engaged in purpose? What's the language that's used? What are the appraisal systems that so we all know how, you know, the, the I think it's becoming common knowledge that the yearly appraisal, which is your main contact mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. your, your manager, I mean, those days are gone. We know mm -hmm. that our dopamine function and our serotonin functions, they don't like that. Mm -hmm. So we don't feel good about ourselves and we don't feel rewarded. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of regular contact with the people that are, are managing, um, psychological safety, online support, better observational capacities in managers, more resilience in the employees, more energy and embodiment of values and cultures. And this is one of the things that was very profoundly understood by the people that managed to turn, the technology company that managed to turn around mm -hmm. their own fortunes within a, a downturn in the economy. Mm -hmm. 
So it's an incredibly exciting moment where there's masses of science that supports this and we just really need to bring the body into play, become more physically intelligent and and start to create a physically intelligent environment. And that, of course, can include also things like, you know, having an area where people can bounce on a, a trampette because it's great for the lymph system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, people really taking care of their nutrition and hydration. All these things are happening, but they're happening without enough strategy and proactivity behind them so we're very committed to that and then of course the individual is going out and taking a yoga class here and a a pilates class there and perhaps a meditation app but it's still all the people i coach it doesn't seem to be enough they're not able to sustain Mm. themselves Mm. well enough to be having that great decision making capacity that happens Mm -hmm. the brain power that happens when you're handling your body Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. I, i think what most people don't understand is it's a more holistic solution than the meditation app, the yoga class, the creativity space in the office, that kind of thing. It's a much larger conversation. Mm-hmm. And leadership doesn't understand the connection between physical intelligence and business outcomes. Mm-hmm. This is the key story. Everyone understands that at an individual level, we will feel better, we will be healthier and hopefully more productive. What I don't believe, what we don't believe, is that most people are missing the fact that improving our physical intelligence will improve business results. It's proven time and again. Mm -hmm. And it's very risky, you know, for L&D to bring this up. There is no budget for physical intelligence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No line item. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is for sales training, coaching, leadership, all of those traditional things, product training, but not for physical intelligence because people don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And I'd say there's a change in how decisions are made over the past five to 10 years in terms of more people involved in the decision process because of the risk. They want to spread the risk. Mm -hmm. You know, in in early days in my career, the saying was no one was ever fired for hiring IBM. Mm -hmm. So you're going out on a limb if you bring the idea of physical intelligence training or a broader solution into the organization. Mm -hmm. So it's only certain L&D and HR teams and individuals who either have the knowledge or they know us and they trust us and they they can lobby internally, lobby internally for the organization to take that risk. Mm -hmm. But it's very much a new, it's a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. What Claire described is a significant paradigm shift for organizations. And it's difficult for those that have established more altruistic goals. Uh, there's a disconnect there, right? So we hear about organizations that have established these altruistic goals alongside, of course, financial success, because that's not ever going to go away. We're all in business to make money and profit. There was an article, I'm thinking it was oh, maybe a month or two ago, called The Week the CEOs Got Smacked, and that was in the New York Times. And two of the CEOs that had gotten smacked, so to speak, were those that were trying to establish more altruistic initiatives within the organizations, but then the finances, the financial goals didn't measure up. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case, right? If you look at Novartis, that CEO has done a remarkable job of addressing employee well-being and achieving financial goals. Mm-hmm. So it's done, right? Again, it's just that most organizations are not even aware that physical intelligence is a solution 
to both, right? To the individual well-being and the business performance. Mm -hmm. That's the key message. If if people realize that, then we can create that curiosity about, well, what is this thing called physical intelligence? Tell me more. And then happily inform them that it's not that difficult to introduce Mm -hmm. across the organization. Yeah, I'm just wondering, do we have a bit of a, a chicken and, and the egg scenario here? I mean, one, one of the stories you shared earlier, Pat, was uh, one of your clients where a group of the sales team had gone through this training before. If they saw someone in their team standing up at their desk and doing kind of a physical movement to stabilize you know, their chemical systems, etc., everyone around them knew what was going on. I mean, if we take that same scenario and play it out in an organization where people didn't know what's going on, for example. Yes. There's obviously going to be quite a lot of personal resistance on that individual's behalf to do that kind of thing for fear of being thought of as weird or you know um, out of sync with the group. Or I'm assuming that this is a, a classic human resistance to doing these kind of practices unless everybody understands. So you almost need this kind of culture of support to allow this kind of approach to really germinate. Well, for some movements, you know, not all movements. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. But I will say just, you know, a little bit of humor. We work with a a global investment bank, household name. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, everyone from entry level through MD goes through this training. And if you walk through that floor, you do see people standing up and doing certain stretches and swings, golf swings (laughs) and different movements that we've taught. Mm-hmm. There's also there are also ways of breathing. Nobody can tell when you're doing those, right? Mm-hmm. You're just on your own or you might reset your posture or communicate in a different way that wouldn't come across as strange. Mm-hmm. Many of these you can't even see. Mm-hmm. But my husband said to me, he said, are you telling me that if I walk through there, there are people standing up and doing this and that? I said, that's precisely what I'm telling <laughs> you because it is now indoctrinated. It's part of the culture in that organization and they're experiencing the benefits. Now, it could be a chicken and and the egg. You know, if we're training a team, then that team, everybody knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. If we're coaching an individual, they can always, you know, go to the restroom if they want to do a certain move and everyone else doesn't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be chicken and egg. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly, if you if you were secure enough in yourself that you wanted to stand up and do a certain twist in the middle of a busy floor, it might actually spark a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We won't be too precious about where we need to start. We just would like to get in however we can to shift the understanding and help people. You know, they're just not realizing their full potential mm-hmm. individually or organizationally. And we have this passion around increasing awareness in order to transform individual team and organizational performance. Mm -hmm. That's what's driven me my whole life. Mm -hmm. So to add this physical intelligence arrow to the quiver of what I can bring to me is very motivating and exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we hope that other people hear it the same way because, again, these aren't difficult things Mm -hmm. to do. We Mm -hmm. just know that we should be doing them. Yeah. And I think one of the very important aspects of people actually doing this is that they know what they're doing with Mm. their 
physiology and what changes they're wanting to achieve. And many of the techniques that Pat's been talking about that do involve movement, I mean, there are others that are still and visualizations and, and other types and ways of interacting that are, are less obvious. But the ones that involve movement are all about accessing the vagus nerve, mm -hmm. which transforms our levels of threat, our cortisol levels, and allows other chemicals, the other chemicals I've already mentioned, to come in and rebalance and, mm -hmm. and play a much better game. And that there's a lot of research going into that particular nerve. It's one of the 10 central nerves in the body. Mm -hmm. And it also is the main transmitter of information from the gut brain. I mean, everyone is interested now in the fact that we have all these neurons mm. in the lining of the gut mm. and, and that these are creating really overriding mood states and ways of ways that we think about ourselves. Literally, they're creating certain types of thought. The body is doing that. The gut brain is, is responding and, and creating some of the ways that we think about ourselves. And that's incredible. Mm, mm. And then when you look at, my background is in choreography. I was a well-known British choreographer for 15 years mm -hmm. until 15 years ago I moved into the, the training world and wanted to start to, to coach and train people, essentially looking at what dancers know about the body, mm -hmm. what choreographers work with every day, and looking at how some of those basic fundamentals that enable you to go on stage and communicate to an audience without doing the grand jetés or whatever, mm -hmm. the, the big technical movements, but just the simple fact of being in your body and knowing what you're doing with it can create a performance, mm. literally. Mm. And so what's very important is that you know what you're trying to do with your body. You know which chemicals that you're low on. Mm -hmm. And that the chemical framework that we've got creates a lens of empowerment. You know, knowledge is power. You mm. know what you're doing. So it's not just an arbitrary, oh, I feel a bit better when I do a golf swing. You actually know that the twist and swing action in the body is creating an activation of the vagus nerve that helps the neurons in the gut release serotonin and create a better balance of acidity and alkalinity and and therefore a better mindset. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's... These are direct routes, mm -hmm. and we ought to know about them more. Whereas at school, our biology textbook is a big fat biology textbook, and it stays <laughs> away from the body, and we don't translate yeah, uh, yeah. well enough in order to be the best human beings that we can be. I mean, speaking personally, having gone through your book, it was even beginning with just the explanation of the chemical balance that's going on in our bodies. And well, I mean, we've been talking here about physical intelligence, but really the outcomes of this are also emotional intelligence and cognitive intelligence, like you've already mentioned. But you know, even just reading through the balance and also the imbalances, the, the, you know, the results of imbalance, I can really see very clearly symptoms of that I see in myself when I'm under a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. And also trying these practices, you know, the, the potential for shifting those states quite quickly and without mm -hmm. having too much investment. And mm -hmm. it's very clear to me the potential for cumulative effect. But I suppose behind all of that, it was very helpful for me to understand that this is not just, as you say, a feeling. It's not like if I just do this breathing practice, I feel yeah, better yeah. for now. This is fundamentally entrenched in neuroscience. And so I've been doing a bit of thinking about this. And I suppose what's becoming clear is that this is still quite new. I mean, the actual physical intelligence itself is not. And there are many traditions around the world uh, that go back hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, 
who are very aware of the kind of, uh, if not the techniques, but also the results of these kind of approaches to this kind of intelligence. But it's all been corroborated by neuroscience and biological sciences over the last 30, 40 years, purely because we now have the technology to measure these things. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, we describe it as a repository of information drawn from multiple techniques, to your point, around the world and across centuries, right? So when we talked earlier about people taking a yoga class here or a meditation app there and it not quite being enough because they're not approaching this holistically with this broad body of knowledge, right? They're doing something that makes them feel something, but they don't know the why and they can't tap into this when needed, mm -hmm. which is physical intelligence is intended to do, right? You know what you need and now you know exactly which technique. So instead of reading a book on sleep and a book on confidence and a book on meditation or using the app, whatever the case may be, you have this body of knowledge and physical intelligence that pulls it all together for you. Mm. So while the term may be new to people, physical intelligence, the techniques have been around for decades in some of those other disciplines. Many are drawn from the worlds of sport and the arts. And we've gathered them together, organized them into these themes of strength, flexibility, resilience, and endurance, and then given you the chemical story so that you can start to actively manage your own physiology mm. in a strategic way. Mm. That's the difference between practicing Tai Chi, taking a yoga class, using a meditation app, and reading physical intelligence and cherry-picking very specifically what is going to benefit you the most in your own life mm. and your own work. And we have different uh, generations at play uh, mm. in our world, don't we? So recently, Pat and I spoke at the National Association of Corporate Directors in America, and some of the very senior board members were intrigued by the fact that paced breathing, if you breathe in a regular ratio, gives a huge boost. Mm. Um, in fact, one experiment showed a potential 62% improvement in cognitive function in good decision-making in complex, high-pressure tasks. Mm -hmm. And they hadn't considered their breathing. Whereas, I mean, I'm the mum of a millennial and he knows all about his breathing and he's, he's been doing, you know, at different times during his educational career, he's been doing mindfulness mm -hmm. at a state school here in the UK, which mm -hmm. is brilliant. Mm -hmm. So he knows about breathing. But, you know, the... 20s and 30-year-olds are now just taking everything from data, from their Fitbits and, and the data that their gadgets are reading and not tuning in enough to the inside. So mm -hmm. data on the body is great, but it re basically it reinforces what we already know is going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so we've got very different generational needs as well. And I think the at board level, there's a real need to understand it better. And, and we, we already talked about that, having that top-down commitment is really important. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say that, I mean, to me it's very clear, and having having gone through a book, which, you know, which I highly recommend, it's very clear that how accessible this is to the individual. There are not many mysteries left over of, you know, where do I start? There are many places to start, actually, but in small ways that can have significant impact very quickly. Taking it to a broader perspective of the organization, where do you suggest leaders start? in bringing a more holistic intelligence that we could broadly define as physical intelligence, but bringing that into organizations in a practical and sustainable way. 
having skilled coaches is a really, I mean, that's a very good use of a training budget, which is, which is to work with coaches and work with leaders who are able to read what's going on with other people's physical intelligence, of course, are physically intelligent themselves and have got their resilience really sorted out, mm -hmm. no matter how young they are, actually. So we recently been working with a, another big technology company here in the UK to help young leaders become great coaches because they're physically intelligent. So, you know, I guess everybody's looking for where to start and get the most ongoing results mm -hmm. for the budget spend. Mm -hmm. So that's another good place, really good place to start. But at an organizational level, if you want to change culture, a broader solution is best. Mm. That's mm. right. I think that's the mindset shift that we would be, you know, really overjoyed if if listeners from today would start to pick up and rather than dropping in a few finite solutions that are great in their own right, but really to try to think strategically now mm. about how mm. to how to become physically intelligent across the organisation. And obviously there's going to be an arc of time attached to that, but that's the thinking mm -hmm. is let's look at it all. Let's look at it across the board and, and start something that's more strategic. Mm. You know, and, and today with the shrinking talent pool, with millennials uh, demanding more from employers, the companies that jump on board sooner rather than later will benefit mm -hmm. in those ways. But also, just to keep coming back to it, it absolutely enhances business outcomes. So it's not like, oh, they're trying to get us to put in, you know, another element of wellness People say, oh, it's like yoga. Yes. And it's like uh, the power pose. Yes. And it's like meditation. Yes. And it's a much bigger solution. It's all of that on steroids, isn't it? <laughs> right. Yes. Right. And it will positively impact your business outcomes. This is what we see time and again. So it's not when I can get around to it. If you're working toward achieving a financial goal and you're looking to attract the best talent and retain the talent you have, this is a solution that addresses both and it will pay for itself within months of implementing whatever solution you choose. Mm -hmm. Clay Dale, Patricia Payton, thank you so much for your time. It's uh, been fascinating and the potential of the outcomes from integrating this successfully into organizations is, is thrilling. So I really appreciate you sharing your experience and your perspectives on this. Thanks so much for having Thank us, Bevan. Thank you for listening. For more on our guests and the resources described in this podcast, please refer to the information section of your podcast player. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe to receive updates and latest episodes of Learning Rewired, brought to you by Headspring.